In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast. Every black film ever made, my name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are taking a trip to 1970. Yes. By way of Vincent's uh, side of the Wayback Machine. Absolutely. As we dig into the filmography of one Melvin Van Peoples. Yes. As well as noted comedian and satirist Godfrey Cambridge. Yes. It, it is to be defined tonight, classic or not, Watermelon Man. Watermelon Man. From Columbia Pictures, also starring Estelle Parsons. Yes. Um, who else is starring in this? There's a, a, a lot of people starring in, in your movie here, Vince. Uh, Howard Kane, Derville Martin, Martin. Matt Tan Moreland. Mantan Moreland. Mantan Moreland, excuse me. Kay Kimberly. A very young Aaron Moran. How about that? And on the sly, a Three Stooges connection. It's all in Watermelon Man. Yes. But first, as always, ladies and gentlemen, we like to touch on all of the responses that we get from each and every one of you, including those who came out to Brooklyn. Yeah. This past Saturday. Yeah. Where the Michelle Mission did a live show review of Men in Black, along with our very special guest from Marvel's Runaways, Ryan Sand. Yeah. That was a good time, right? That was a real good time. Yes, it was a it was. real good time. It was good to see Ryan in person, finally. It was. Yeah. It was. And it was very nice to, you know, like we, we joked about how he seemed like he was already a boy, even though yeah. we had never met him. Yeah. It was very nice to to see that he also seemed to have that same kind of vibe. Yeah, like, yeah, like real I already good know dude. You boys, yeah, you real know? good dude. Um, and shout out to Blurred City Con, uh, Clarissa, yeah. who the organizer who welcomed us, um, and was they couldn't have been more hospitable. They could not. They could um, not to us at, at the convention. Um, and shout out to all of the people that we saw there. We saw in Stephen Harris. Yeah. Who, oh, yeah. Uh, past guest on the Michelle Mission. We saw uh, comic book artist Chuck Collins. Yeah. Uh, Caramel Horn, a.k.a. Yeah. the Blurred Girl. We sure did. Who is destined to one day be uh, a guest. Long, long overdue. Yes. Yes. And and uh, we also met more than a few other people. Regine Sawyer of Lock It uh, Down Productions um, was also there. We had a great time. As as well as I feel like I feel like if the if the Michelle mission was to have our very own like Harold who would go out and uh, 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 shout the praises mm-hmm. of our show. Yeah, it would be New York's own George Kimona. George Kimona. 
George Kimona. Good yeah. to see George. Yeah, George. always good to see George. It is always good to see George. You have to look hard for George when you see him in, in person, ladies and gentlemen, because George, who by trade is a freelance writer and reporter um, and a bit of, of a photographer, I guess. But when he takes it, takes his pictures, he takes them with his with his iPad. Now, Vince, <laughs> Vince has an iPad that he uses for our show. And it's a typical nice size iPad. Is that an iPad Pro? No, no, it's no, just an no, iPad. No. I was right? about to say, right? And I've so that's a typical say, iPad. That's my old faithful iPad. That that joint's like five, six years old, and it's nice, and it, it keeps on working, yeah. right? Oh yeah. Now I've seen an iPad Pro, an yeah, iPad they're Pro. They, they're they're big, right. right? But then I I must have missed the notice. <laughs> Where Apple put out an iPad Max. <laughs> because George Kimona's iPad. This is the biggest iPad I've ever seen in I my life. I swear to God, ladies and gentlemen, it should come with a wall mount. <laughs> this thing is so huge. But it was a big iPad. It does. It was big. It, I, I think I think it literally every every picture is a cityscape. Yeah, like oh, yeah. and widescreen. Oh yeah, it's 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 insane the size of his iPad. Oh yeah, I mean he was literally he, when you know people say I'm going to take a picture, take pictures at the festival. He just took one picture of the whole festival, of the whole, and festival. then he can break it down into pieces. Exactly, yeah, like absolutely. a puzzle. Yeah, oh yeah. That maybe it takes puzzles. <laughs> Maybe each picture. The iPad is so big, it takes puzzles. <laughs> that must be it. But we had a great time. In yeah, Brooklyn. we really did. We did. We really did. We had a, a fun time. It was an enjoyable time in Brooklyn. So thank you, one and all, for making us welcome. And if you missed your opportunity, ladies and gentlemen, to check out the we show mission and me and Vince live in action. Well, you've got another opportunity coming your way on August 22nd. And this time is closer to home where Vince and I will be hosting a very special screening and talk back of director Charles Burnett's to sleep with anger. Yes. At the Bryn Mawr film Institute. That is on Thursday, August 22nd. Go to our website, michellemission.com for ticket information. It is right there. Um, this film starred Danny Glover, Paul Butler, as well as, um, uh, Devon Nixon from director, Charles Burnett, the director of the classic killer of sheep. To Sleep With Anger is a film that a lot of people have slept on. Oh, yeah. A lot of people have slept on. Um, to just give you a quick 30-second pitch on it. It's a middle-class family. Stable life. Stable life in Los Angeles is upended by the arrival of Harry, an old friend from, quote-unquote, down home. After that, it, 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 it just goes off the... You're off to the races. Um, it's a great film. It also sure... Stars Cheryl Lee Ralph in this film as well. And we look forward to hosting that screening and talk back of that film. Yeah, and if you want a preview, we actually have done an episode. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, we've done an episode on The Sleep With Anger. So I'm interested in seeing how our talk back parallels mm -hmm. our review. That should be very because, interesting. Because you know what they say, you never see the same film twice. That's true. Because you've changed. Look, where I was... 
before. And now where I am today, I sit in front of you, a fan of The Last Dragon. (laughs) You were lost, but now you're found. I was lost, and then rapping happened. (laughs) Perspective (laughs) is a powerful thing. Yes, it is. We also got an email, Vince, from Kijana Bocamp. Hey, Kijana. And the subject line says, keep going. Okay. What's up? What's up? Hey. I am a big fan of the show and came across it by complete accident. I listened to a few others, but yours gives a significant, poignant perspective that I really have come to appreciate. One love, Kijana. Oh, thank you. That is very short thank to you. the point. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. It's always nice to be appreciated. Always. Very nice. Very nice. Um, the the mailbag is a little light this week, ladies and gentlemen, but we did our review of Cool Breeze last week. <laughs> yes, we did. With Thomas Rosala. Don Miskell said, Thomas Rosala, a.k.a. Raj and them's daddy who only came around to charm mama every few episodes on what's happening. That's right. In a lead role. I've never seen this one. Yeah, Don, it, it was a bit disappointing. Robert Monroe said the review of Cool Breeze made me want to watch The Asphalt Jungle. I know, me too, right? To which Andrew Myray My said it was definitely more of an Asphalt Jungle discussion. Yeah, yeah, now I want to see The Asphalt Jungle. Well, I mean, look. Um, <laughs> That's exactly Y'all want me right. to be more positive. <laughs> <laughs> so... I went where the positivity took me, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) And it took you to another movie. (laughs) It did. So that's that's where it goes. I don't know if you've heard this news, Vince, about um, Captain Marvel co-star Lashana Lynch. I did. Who was destined to be introduced to Bond 25 audiences as the new 007. As the new 007. Black female 007. How do you feel about that, Lynn? Well, I'm with it in having read the story. I don't know if you read read the article. So what they're planning to do, at least as they intimate in in the article, Daniel Craig is still going to be in this film. Right, because he is James Bond. Because he's James Bond. Right. But Lashana Lynch's character, who, as far as I know, doesn't have a a designated name yet, is going to be introduced as the new spy designate of 007. Exactly, because that's not a name. Right. It's it's not, well, not a designation. It's a designation, right. Because as we all know, or maybe we don't know, the double O's are... A license to kill. Exactly. So these are the agents who, well, have a license to kill, and 007 is just seven. Right. Right. And at the end of the last film, which was, ooh, not Skyfall. Was that Lethal Weapon 2 when you retired? It was It was not Lethal Weapon Are you sure? I'm quite sure. I think there was a moment, Mel Gibson, Danny Glover on a boat. And then Daniel Craig comes out and says, I retire. And then like he walks away. I, was that was that just No, that was not it. Vince. That might be in the European version. <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps in the European version. I saw it on Betamax. With... <laughs> I quit. 
I dress you up. <laughs> Can't take it. Spectre. That Spectre. was the last election. Spectre. Spectre. Spectre was the last Because I was going to keep going like, I quit. I know you were. And then he went home and went and packed some clothes and they gassed him and he woke up in the village. At the end of Spectre, <laughs> yes. um, I believe James Bond more or less leaves behind the, the the spy business. Did he say, I'm getting too old for this Bruh. I don't believe those words came out of his mouth. I do not believe because he's... again, that's why I thought it happened at the end of Lethal Weapon Two, because that's Danny Glover's catchphrase. It is throughout the series. It, it's his catchphrase now throughout every film right. that he's in. Because I've heard him say it in at least four other right, films. Right, right. And then as the series went on, one genuine chuckle I got out of it was either the third or the fourth one is that it had been going on for so long that Mel Gibson said it. Ah. Ah. Were you a fan, are you a fan of James Bond movies? More in theory than in practice. Okay. Like, I've not seen a Daniel Craig oh, really? Bond no. that I haven't enjoyed. Okay. okay. But I didn't see Spectre. And what was before Spectre? Before Spectre was Skyfall. And I didn't see Skyfall. Oh, you didn't see? No. Oh, wow. But I saw, like, so, so like... Well, then there's only, made, there's only two before him. I was about to say, I saw the first two. Okay. And then I just didn't see the, the, the last one and the one before that. Not because I was against it. I just, just scheduling. Okay. Because Casino Royale, which was his first one. Which, which was. Is a certified classic. Which was amazing. That was an amazing movie. Quantum Salas is a bit of a train wreck. But it's not... I enjoyed it, though. But, like, everyone talks about that, but I enjoyed it. You can enjoy it because... Like, you can you can enjoy it simply because of Daniel Craig. Yeah. Um, And I... It, Quantum of the Silence, the one with Benicio Del Toro in that one? Maybe? No, not... Uh, not, not, not uh, Benicio no? Del Toro. Um, Javier Bardem. Okay. I think he's in there. So you can kind of, like, enjoy that, too. Yeah. But it's the the story you start you start picking up out of that story it it it'll it'll unravel your brain. But Skyfall, Skyfall is almost as amazing. That was that business. Know. Skyfall. Okay. Yes. All right. And then the last one, Spectre. And then he retires. Spectre. Spectre. Spectre was a little bit of a, a mess. All right. But but he retires. Yes, he retires. And now it's going to pick up. And then, of course, Lashana Lynch. Right, the great game always continues, and now Lashana Lynch is the new 007. Yes. So, in other words, there's been a whole lot of pomp and circumstance in news, but the status quo really has not moved. Is that what you're saying? Like, this is just ball face pandering, and it's a and, little bit of pandering, and, and, yes, and because. Yeah. And, but, and people are running away with it. And, and people are running like away with but, it. And, 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 look, look. It's not too often. Like they were too much of a coward to actually make a black James Bond or 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 James Bond of color. But we're gonna do the 007 and try and get the same brouhaha from it, but without actually without making to James Bond. Is that what you're telling me? Well, I I mean, it's, it's like this cynical marketing. Well, is it really cynical? If they've just chosen to make the designation 007 as opposed to the designation James Bond, which no. is what they would have done if they had made James Bond a black person. No, no, no. But it would just I mean, that's part of a long tradition, though. Like there, it's almost like Doctor Who. It's just a new actor. And then you assume that this James Bond is 
The same James has Bond. retroactively been the James Bond since the beginning. Okay, yeah, but but by saying it's 007, but you keep James. They're trying Bond. to get away from right, that. Right, you're right, but but you're not doing anything. But well, like you're you, trying to have your cake. And but eat you don't it know if you're not doing anything if at the end of the film, if maybe you do go forward with the Lashana Lynch character. So, so you don't know. Oh no, I know. There's absolutely I mean, categorically no way. There's never. There's never going to be a 007 movie starring Lashana Lynch and 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 James Bond is not and James it. Bond just ain't in it at all. Well, maybe. James, but how about if James Bond, the character, the James Bond character, becomes M because there is no more M. He he becomes M and then she's the one running around doing stuff. Oh no, there is an M because that's uh, Ralph Fiennes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I am not a James Bond dude. I have a friend. You've met him, actually. Uh, my, you know, shout out to to my boy Chris Randolph, who yes. is, and he and he actually enjoys spy stuff, and he reads like the like what is it like Robert Lundlum, I think, mm-hmm. writes the spy novel. Yes. Like he's actually a spy dude. Okay, and he ha- makes this great case for why, in a modern context. James Bond should be of color because if you follow crime and you follow political unrest mm-hmm. on the on on the, the the international stage right a lot of it takes you to places where being brown that a six foot tall white guy would stick out that's true especially if he's wearing a tuxedo right like Idris Elba in lots of parts of Africa in Asia, in the Middle East, and London mm-hmm. blends in a lot easier yes. than Daniel Craig. If you're actually going to look at the concept of James Bond as a secret agent. That's true. So have you noticed? But I'm ha- let's be clear. I'm very happy for LaShawn Lynch. I am. I'm very happy for all the publicity it brings her. I hope that somehow this spins spins off and she has a series of movies 007 and whatever her name is Mm -hmm. but I also thought this was a pretty cynical marketing tool for a franchise that was too cowardly to put Idris Elba or or somebody of color in that role so and yet I'm gonna go see it there you go I'm the ultimate fanboy (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna complain about it, but then I'm gonna go see it anyway. Well, you know, but to be fair, you haven't seen any. You haven't seen the last two. Well, but, but he, this one, this I, this he, is what's going to get you and, there. And that's the thing, exactly. This is what's exactly. Get you there. Exactly. It would be kind of cool if they did go off and like did a series of movies with her as 007, because you know Naomi Harris is, 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 Miss, money, is money, money Penny, Money Penny. Yeah. Oh so yeah. That would be kind of cool. That would be dope. I'm there. I mean, if it if if that thing were to exist in the real world, I'd be there as well. Yes. <laughs> oh, if only. Oh, if only. Um. Let's see. What else do we have? So the Emmy nominations. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Emmy nominations are out. Pose and uh, when they see us. Up for a bunch of stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, that only that only makes sense. Pose is like um, a really cool 
and a very, very powerful show. Well, well we, done. Well, you know, we've been Pose fans since day one. Well, well done. Uh, yeah, Pose has been nominated in the category of Outstanding Drama Series. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to win, though. Um, it's up against Better Call Saul, The Bodyguard, Killing Eve, Ozark, Succession, This Is Us, Game of Thrones. I will say this. It would not surprise me if it did win. It's not going to win. No, 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 no. It would, it would, I'll say no. this. It would surprise me if it went. It would not, I think, I don't, I'd know, be happy I, if I don't know how the voting works or if votes can get split or not, but I think this is a year since we have, and, and we're not using, like, we're not even using hyperbole at this point. Like, our president is actually a Nazi. <laughs> yes. That I think people are looking for ways to say, hey, mm-hmm. I'm not a Nazi. Mm-hmm. And I think that might add to the momentum. And then just frankly, the quality is so high on the show. Yes. It's very good. It's, it's very high. That even if the, the guilt gets you in the door, mm-hmm. the quality keeps you there. Very true. But but you're right, it probably won't. I I, I don't see I don't see it winning. Like I said, I, I would yeah. love to I would love for it to win. Now here's a, here's and don't get me wrong, I, I I champion pose. I'm rooting for it. But in the category of outstanding lead actor in a drama series. Okay. Um, what do you think will win series, by the way? Drama series? Yeah. I think I think that it's going to be one of three, three shows. It's going to be either This Is Us, which, I, I, which is a little bit too melodramatic for me. And it might be a little This Is Us fatigue. A little bit. Um, but that certainly didn't stop Modern Family all those years. Um, this is us killing Eve. Killing Eve, yeah. Or they might throw a bone to the final bone to Game of Thrones. Such a backlash from this season. Though. You see, That's I think the, the backlash, I think if they had nailed the Such landing a backlash. on the end. It would be there. It would be theirs in a in a runaway. Well, yeah, but I, but that withstanding you, you might, the it, hype of it, it, it might still limp over the finish line. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Okay, but lead actor in a, in a series and a lead actor in a series, um, Pose is nominated here, right? Okay. And it they nominated Billy Porter, of course. Now, I I'm fine. I'm fine, and and, and I'm happy to see that Billy Porter is. Is nominated. Who else is nominated? In that category, he's nominated up against um, Sterling Brown from This Is Us. Okay. Kit Harrington from Game of Thrones. Uh huh. Um, Milo uh, Vitamiglia from This Is Us. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul. Uh huh. And Jason Bateman for Ozark. Yeah, I don't know if any of them are doing better work than Billy Porter. I don't think any of them are doing better work than Billy Porter. They might give it like if Game of Thrones doesn't get best series, you think they'll give it to Kit They might Harrington. give it as like a, like the whole series type of thing to Kit Harrington. But here's my problem. Here's the little bit of problem that I have with Billy Porter being nominated for for Pose, right? Um again, I'm not I'm not knocking him. And I'm not knocking the series at all. However, I don't see him as the lead in that show. 
Well, he doesn't come across to me as the he's lead. He's as much of a lead as Milo, and I can never pronounce his last name. Vincent Miglia. And Sterling Brown are. He's as much of a lead as they are. Okay, but I think Billy Billy Porter's role in the um in the show is more support of a supporting role. To me, the lead in the show is MJ Rodriguez. Right. MJ- oh, okay, but but okay, now here's the thing. MJ Rodriguez is a trans woman. And she's probably is she so nominated is she for nominated best for lead actress no no so okay so as a trans woman mj rodriguez should be nominated under lead actress if she was nominated if she was and nominated. i don't know who was nominated but across the board i think billy porter is the best actor on the show that may be fair but i don't think he's the lead actor like if he was in the if he was in the support cuz there's a supporting actor i hear you but again, I think he's as much of a lead as, like, like, I, like I actually understand what you did because it is an ensemble. Mm-hmm. But he gets as much screen time as any of the other. Really, I don't see him that he, much. I see Rodriguez and any of those other the kids that's look, underneath her. Rodriguez, Electra Abundance, right? That's that's uh, Dominique Jackson. Dominique Jackson, and then it's Billy Porter. Okay, but the, they're definitely the figurative leads yeah. in that world. But I don't see him as getting as much uh, screen time or as much development story-wise as the rest oh, of them. Oh, I think he does. I don't. Yeah, and I hope I mean, he wins. And it's not, again. No I, no, I hear what you're saying. I think this is a good conversation because it really does come down to how do you package these nominations i mean this has been a conversation that people have had for years forever yeah. about this yeah. thing I, I i mean um damn how did i just forget his name which one green book uh the brother in green book who won oh keith um no the brother in green book Oh, Green Book. Oh, um, 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 um. Oh my uh, God, I just forget his name. Oh, <laughs> you just, now you, oh God, Vince. Um, um, because now I can't get Sterling Brown and Courtney Vance out of my head. Like I just got acting brothers in my head. Oh, Vince, I hate you. Uh, <laughs> you know, one for Moonlight. I know, and, he, and he's in Spider Man. Um, he's in Spider Man. Uh, uh, um, 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 the uh, what you call it? <laughs> I cannot believe. I can't believe I can't come I up with his just, name. I can't believe I can't come up with his name. Where is it? Mahershala Ali? Mahershala Ali was, was an M. Was was nominated, I think, for supporting actor for Green Book. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that made they no put sense. Up old boy as lead. So you know, it's all kind of political. True. And what the studio thinks can win the award. That's true. Let's go through these real quick. Uh, Outstanding comedy series. Um, I don't know if you've seen all of these. Okay. Barry. Fleabag. I like Barry. I've not seen Fleabag yet. The Good Place. Oh, The Good Place is my jam. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, yeah, I'll keep talking about it. Russian Doll. I haven't seen Russian Doll. Shit Creek. And that's S-C- 
H-I-T-T apostrophe S for Amazon. all of you radio people. Yeah, it's a lot, it was of, a lot of streaming stuff. Of, yeah, it is a lot of streaming stuff. And Veep. And Veep, right, right, right. I think I, Veep will get it. Well, Veep might get it, especially because like Game last, of Thrones is this last year. And apparently they did stick the landing. Yeah, that's I don't watch Veep, but but I, I saw it, it's got it's gotten good press. It, it's a good show. I haven't watched the last couple of seasons just because of time, but it's a good show. Now, The Good Place is in my top five favorite shows of the past like five six years. Isn't that about the end too? I think they announced last next season is going to be the last. Next season, last season. Yeah, yeah. The Good Place is amazing. I've watched a couple of it. It's it's funny. Um, I am a fan of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Okay. I've watched enough Barry to say Barry is good. Barry is good. But if I had to give my vote, it would be to Fleabag. I've not seen Fleabag. Fleabag, is that good? I've watched the two seasons of Fleabag, man. Fleabag is amazing. Fleabag is funny. Okay. It is it is heartbreaking. Okay. Um, it is it is raw, it is emotional, it is it is all that and then some. Okay. So Fleabag I, is on my list. I'll go Fleabag. All right. So um, we went through the lead actors. Lead actress in a drama series. Amelia Clark for Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Jodie Comer for Killing Eve. Mm-hmm. Sandra Oh for Killing Eve. She's good. Viola Davis for How to Get Away with Murder. She's good. Laura Linney for Ozark. She's good. Mandy Moore for This Is Us. Robin Wright House of Cards. She's good. She's good, but she's not going to get it. She's not going to get it, and neither is not, Viola Davis. Ne- neither because Viola they're Davis. very good in very flawed shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, this might be the toughest. This category tough. you've read. This might be like, tough. Like this, this is a high powered category. This is pretty good, man. Um, I'm a sucker for Sandra O, oh, though. Sandra O oh is good. I I I would not be yeah, mad. I like Sandra, Sandra O a lot. Took it. Amelia Clark though, she did some work. She did some work in Game of Thrones. Um, but I think I would think I I, I would be rooting for you know Sandra what? O. I'll just say it. I've been underwhelmed by Amelia Clark for five six years now. Oh really? I really have. I think she's not bad. I don't. Don't get me wrong. I don't think she's like like she plays her position. Yeah. But as far as the breakout from Game of Thrones, no, no, she's not. I've never, she's not. I've never, not. like, I'm actually a little surprised that of all the women on Game of Thrones, she's the one that got the nomination. Who do you think, if you had to nominate a woman from this last season of Game of um, Thrones, and I just forgot her her real name, I think Sansa, what's her name? Oh, so Sophie, um, Sophie, um. Uh, Sophie Turner? Not, not that sounds right. That sounds right, but I could be wrong. I think she has, I think quietly, mm-hmm. from beginning to end of Game of Thrones, has put in the best performance on the series. Well, she certainly has been asked to do, yeah, Sophie Turner. Sophie Turner. I think from the first episode to the last episode, when mm-hmm. you look at her journey, Mm-hmm. It's not as sexy as Maisie Williams was, and you know she doesn't have them puppy dog eyes like Kit Harrington. But I think she she would be my choice if I was going to nominate an actress from Game of Thrones. She would be a good choice. I don't, and again, like anything Game of Thrones this year, I think 
an award would be congratulating like the series over time. Sure, sure. The actor over time. So if you nominated her, I could see her winning for over time. But for if I had to take this season alone, I thought she did good work. I but, thought she was better than Amelia Clark. And then you could maybe argue that she was better than Amelia Clark. I think Amelia Clark was maybe given a little bit more to do. Uh, but I would have I would have given it to Maisie Williams. I mean, I think that episode when when they actually do attack King's Landing, yeah. and you are go through that episode through Maisie Williams' eyes as she has to get out of King's Landing. Yeah. that was that was some powerful stuff. So I would give it to Maisie Williams. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna fight you, but so hard. I hear about that. Well, I appreciate it because I'm not looking for a fight. Um, <laughs> uh, where do we want to go here? Okay. Um, outstanding lead. I don't want to do limited series and movies. Right. Who cares about that? Outstanding lead actor in a comedy series. Anthony Anderson in Blackish. Yeah. Don Cheadle in Black Monday. Don Ch- Okay. Ted Danson, The Good Place. Okay. Michael Douglas, The Kaminsky Method. I've, I've never watched that. Bill Hader, Barry. Yeah. Eugene Levy, Shit's Creek. I would probably go Bill Haiti or... Bill um, Hader. I'm sorry, Bill Hader or Don Cheadle. Those would be my two choices. Yeah, I think, I'm, I, think I would go Bill Hader. I, I think Don's doing good work in, in Black Monday, but I think Bill Hader's asked to do a little bit more. I'm surprised Documentary Now has not showed up. Mm-hmm. Documentary Now is, do you watch it? Yeah, but those are like mockumentaries, right? Yeah, but I mean, it's a show. Yeah, well. It's a little inside baseball-y. Very. Yeah, but but I think Bill Hader is and Fred Armisen are doing career-defining work on that show. Outstanding lead actress in a comedy series, Christina Applegate, Dead to Me. Okay. Rachel uh, Brosnan, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Okay. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Veep. Yeah, she's got it. Natasha Lyonne, Russian Dow. Okay. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Fleabag. Catherine O'Hara, Schitt's Creek. Now, I will say that I am, it, like, after the mag, uh, after, oh, now I just lost her name. Oh, my God. Vince, how you do this to me? Who's the woman? African voodoo. From Young. The, the actress from, Meryl, from from Young Frankenstein. That uh, that plays the, the, the German law. Oh, um. Um, oh, oh. <laughs> we are definitely showing our age today. We are showing our age, ladies and gentlemen. I apologize. I apologize for the age that we are showing tonight. Um, it can't it can't be helped because we are in. For some reason, Mary Lou Henner jumped in my head. It's it's an M, Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn. After Mad- if we were Mary Lou Henner, we would have remembered. You know, she's one of those freaks that can remember that has, every that has that moment yeah. of her life. Yes, yeah, I've, and I've seen her like test it. You know, I think we need to find those people and kill them. <laughs> I'm just saying. Why? Something needs to be done. Why? It's not right. It's a superpower. Yeah. You so you will kill she's using it for good. No, 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 no. Kill the witch. Vince. Vince. Kill it with fire. 
You, Vince, don't. I don't like it. No. I don't like it. I don't like it. It ain't right. It ain't natural. How she remember everything, Lynn? Satan. Why does it got to be Satan? Why can't it be the, the Lord? Because the Lord don't do that. It's too flashy. The Lord is too flashy. The Lord is subtle. Oh, yeah, you're right. He only flooded the earth for 40 days and 40 hey, nights. Hey, don't piss him off. <laughs> yeah, I guess all those frogs. <laughs> you know, that's the plague that freaked me out. We, do, we, do we talk about that? No, yeah. The frogs freaked the hell out of me when I was little. Like rivers running red with blood. It's like, you were okay, good. I mean, all right, that's kind of metal. Like, okay, I see... Okay, you, you know, death of the firstborn. All right, that all right. They I had think. it coming. Right, right, right. <laughs> but frogs? What kind of freaky shit is that? It's frogs falling out the sky. It's a plague. What kind of plague is that? I ain't really like the frogs. <laughs> that was my one in Sunday school. I was like, whoa. Whoa. Well, so the locusts. Locusts, I, I mean, you know, they eat the crops. Like, it makes sense. <laughs> you know, locusts eat the crops. Bad things. You're getting punished. All right. I get, you know, river of blood. Uh, you know, again, it's kind of, it's real metal. Mm-hmm. It's like White Snake or something, a White Snake song or Ozzy Osbourne song. It's like a Black Sabbath song from 1971. And the rivers ran red with blood. Like, that makes sense. Yes. Death of your firstborn. Wow, that's real. Subtle. That's a real downer. Because, <laughs> you know, not for nothing, I was a firstborn. I was like, damn. I was the last. Right. I was good. But frogs? Frogs. What is that? Frogs. Who are we talking about? <laughs> We're talking about the Emmys. <laughs> At some point, I guess we should talk about a movie. This is what happens when y'all don't send letters. <laughs> this is your fault. Okay, let's just at least finish. Who do you think is going to win Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series? You know, I don't know. I'm I'm really unfamiliar with all of those shows that you oh. named. I think, but I think Julia what I was going to say, what I was going to say, Dreyfus is going to win everything. What I was going to say though was that after Madeline Kahn, right? Because you start talking about Madeline Kahn, I was like. Madeline Kahn has been dead 20 years. Okay, but after she passed away, and I was a huge fan of Madeline Who Kahn, wasn't? The person who took her place in my heart mm-hmm. is Catherine O'Hara. Okay. Of SCTV. I was about to say SCTV, and, yeah. And all the Christopher Guest movies. Absolutely. And stuff like she's that, fantastic. And, and Home Alone movies. Um, and she's great in, in Shit's Creek. So I would love to see her get this she's not she's not and i'm i'm happy to see that she's nominated i think there's talking about fatigue i think there's a little bit of fatigue on julie louis dreyfus even though they may want give her one to go out Yeah, it's a victory lap but i think they may pull a surprise a lot of people have been heralding christina applegate in this dead to me i haven't watched it yet but a lot of people enjoy it so i wouldn't be surprised if they give it to her and if not her Give it to Phoebe Waller-Bridge for Fleabag. I'm gonna have to watch this Fleabag. Flea, I, I enjoyed the people hell out of I Fleabag. respect have talked about Fleabag and how good it is. So I'm, I'm putting it on the list. Okay, all right. 
Um, all right. I, I guess there's there's other nominations <laughs> out there, but, and we we could go through them all. Yeah, because you know we could. We could, but you we, know we could. And we're definitely rooting for when when they see us, which is up for a limited series movie. Most definitely. Go on, Miss Ava. Yeah, do that. Do that, girl. So, um, so killing them. Yeah. There you go. All right. Now, okay, but all right. So let's do that. Is when they see us is up for outstanding limited series. This is what it's up against, Vince. Chernobyl. Okay. Escape at Denimora. Okay. Fosse slash Vernon. Okay. Sharp Object. I did not see any of those. Oh, you didn't? I didn't. Yeah, I think it's got. A, I, I think it's got a shot against all of them. Now, Fosse. That's a, the story about Bob Fosse. Is that the Ryan, is that Ryan Murphy's? Yeah. Latest thing. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't watched any of the. The last one I watched was so last year was. Was that feud? No, 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 no. Feud was the last one I watched. Okay. Because feud was amazing. Right. That was. But the, the one last year was. Um, was it the, is that the Versace the one? Versace. Yeah, and okay. I didn't see it. I saw it got mixed ratings. I meant to watch it, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch that one. Yeah, but Feud was amazing. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I'm sure it was. Yeah, like, I've read so many stories and articles about the the war between Betty Davis and um, Joanne. Who was it? Joan Crawford. Joan Crawford. Yeah, that I I, I didn't just didn't need to see it. And then I think. Was the OJ one right the year before that? That was the year before that. So I've watched two of his true life joints, and mm-hmm. they've both been amazing. So a Fosse was even half of even that. half as good as those two. Yeah, but one see the thing is when they see us definitely had a buzz in our community, and oh. it, and it, and it kind of bubbled out. I was about to say, I don't bit. know. White people lost their jobs off of that. Well, okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so you know, somebody okay. else saw it. That's true. I hope it wins. Yeah, of of course. I do hope it wins. Of course, you know, I want like I just want Ava DuVernay and Billy Porter to just stay up on stage the whole time, <laughs> and then like, you know, Sterling Brown come up and have a guitar solo. Does he play guitar? I don't know. I just I I just really love Sterling Brown too. I like. I just wish Sterling Brown was in something that I watched. He's in things you see. You right, just didn't right. See him. I, I just him don't watch. This. this is us. This is his check. I, look, I mean, it's uh, from. It's, it's just like Russell Hornsby. It's not even just a check. Like, I, uh, apparently, it's really good. It's okay. Yeah, I just can't get over the hump. Like, it's 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 like different strokes. The series, series. Yeah, it's, it just I, doesn't I, do I it. Just, for me. I just can't get over that hump. Yeah, I, I don't like. Don't don't get me wrong. And, and you you got enough of that in your life. You've got green, not green mile. What is it? Uh, green church. What's it? What's it? What's that show? Oh, green leaf. Green leaf. Well, green leaf is a guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah, you got that. Green leaf. I don't think it's going to get critically acclaimed. <laughs> no, yeah. no, I don't see that. That and saints and sinners. I don't see them <laughs> making their way to the to the Emmy stand anytime soon. Uh. We're going to go ahead and start. i just like to periodically say during the season, Omar, you're killing me. <laughs> Y'all are killing me. That's a- On that damn Queen Sugar. Queen Sugar. Let's get into our review. Summer's on there now. It's all crazy. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> Who's on there? Oh, Cree Summer. Cree Summer is Nova's old professor. Oh, my God. <laughs> Lynn, the entire time she was on, I ain't going, because I know you're going to watch it eventually, but the entire time she was on the screen with Nova, my wife just kept looking over me saying, Vince, close your mouth. <laughs> Vince, close your mouth. I could not even believe what was happening on my screen. She said, Vince, close your mouth. Omar, y'all killing me. I tried to get uh, Cree Summer onto uh, Black Tribbles to talk about about our voice. Oh, work. that'd be a nice skit. I, I I can't I can't seem to connect make the connect. Well, she wild on Queen Sugar. <laughs> I'll, I'll try and reach back out to her. All right, to see if we can uh, reach her. Now, can we do our review? Like I kept going. Oh no, Freddie! No. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I was saying that. I was like, oh, no, Freddy. <laughs> All right. Now we can do it. All right. Thank you. That's, look, we look, you look. They don't send mail. Hey, this is what you get. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into our review of Watermelon Man. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Respectful homage, please. Fair, please. Arrogant, arrogant, they're all arrogant. In the good old days, back in the old south, you'd have to drive from back here. <laughs> Get it? Back of the bus? Watermelon Man, a 1970 American comedy drama directed by Melvin Van Peoples and starring Godfrey Cambridge, Estelle Parsons, Howard Kane, Derville Martin, Kay Kimberly, Mantan Moreland, and Aaron Moran. The film was written by Herman Raucher and tells the story of an extremely bigoted 1960s era white insurance salesman named Jeff Ger Gerber who wakes up one morning to find that he has become black. The premise for the film was inspired by Franz Kafka's Metamorphosis and by John Howard Griffin's autobiographical Black Like Me. This movie was Vince's selection for this stop on the Michaud mission. Vince, what say you of Watermelon Man? Well, Watermelon Man is one of those films that we had to do, Okay, frankly. I, th I think there are a list of black films that people make, and, and certainly we've gotten to the point where we're 
150 plus episodes that I, I think it's fair to say when, when people look at the archive, there's a list of films where people would say, oh, I wonder if they reviewed fill in the blank. Right. And Watermelon Man is certainly one of those films for a few reasons. God, uh, you know, I'll start with Godfrey Cambridge, who is the star and unfortunately died really young. Yeah. So there really aren't a lot of films with him. Mm-hmm. And he was an amazingly talented man, you, you know, comedian, satirist, actor, all of these things. Mm-hmm. And when people talk about his career, Watermelon Man always comes up. Melvin Van Peebles, one of those directors you and I have gone back and forth about Melvin Van Peebles. Suffice it to say, he is a director whose name comes up. And as a director whose name comes up, this is his second film. So, Watermelon Man, people look for it like that. And I have to say, it is a film that I think about more by reputation by the film itself. We mentioned at the end of of the episode last week, we hadn't seen it in years. I, I don't think I've seen this in its entirety mm-hmm. in 20 years. And just to cut to the chase, I really, really like this movie. Like, I thought this was a really good movie. I think this storyline, white man wakes up and becomes a black man. Right from the beginning, you can go two different ways with it. As you mentioned, um, Herman Raucher wrote this script, mm-hmm. sold the script on spec in the early 60s, and he envisioned it as this indictment of liberal white America who, right. you know, say, oh, well, I'm, I'm so liberal, I'm so this, but then they have these deep set prejudices. And while he says that, I do think it's a bit of a tell when you look at the details of how he wanted to execute this idea. Right. First and foremost, he wanted to have a white actor play the role of Jeffrey Gerber, the um, insurance. What's wrong? No, is, is no. that's not his name. Oh, no, the, Gerber. Gerber. Yeah, Gerber. the insurance agent who wakes up black. Right. So from the beginning, in Roucher's mind, this was frankly going to be blackface. Mm-hmm. The second detail that I think is important is the end, which in my mind is the most noteworthy and worthy of examination and conversation. In Roucher's original script, he wanted the film to end after Gerber's character has gone through this whole journey as a black man. And then he wakes up. Mm -hmm. And now he's a white man. So in other words, what we have watched for the past hour and 15 minutes or so, because it's, it's an hour and 40 minutes, it's about 15 minutes in, he wakes up and he's a black man. That would have been basically a dream. It was all a dream. And let's just be real. The way that this white man has envisioned the existence of black people, it would have been a nightmare. Mm. The two changes that Mario, Melvin Van Peebles brings to it from the very beginning that changes the entire dynamic of the film is that he says it should be a black actor 
so that in the first 15 minutes, what you have is basically, for lack of a better word, white face. Exactly. And he does not turn back white Mm -hmm. at the end. So instead of a nightmare or a Gulliver's Travels type satire, what you really end up with is almost a character study and a journey of this character. Right. Very difficult role, frankly. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I'm, I'm actually glad that we watch this so far into the mission because I think there is a subtlety to Godfrey Cambridge's performance mm-hmm. that I don't know if I would have appreciated earlier, earlier on. on. Film starts very farcical, and you can tell that Roucher's spirit in this script is alive. And 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 Cambridge as Jeffrey Gerber, the white man, is obnoxious mm-hmm. and loud. And and you, there's this ridiculous exercise regimen he has, and then he has this bit where he chases the bus <laughs> right. to catch the bus, and he comes into the he's an insurance agent, and he goes into the office and. There is a level of satire of how not just black people, but I would say hip downtown white people Mm -hmm. view the suburban middle class white existence. Okay. He's very much a, a, a square. He's very much obnoxious without understanding he's obnoxious. All of these things. But Godfrey Cambridge brings this real wit to it Mm -hmm. that plants the seed so that when he does wake up and become black, it's hysterical. Yeah. Because all of this obnoxiousness when he was white, now that he's black and it's incredulous, it's seamless. Exactly. Exactly. It is seamless. And the film goes on, and, and frankly, things unfold pretty much the way you would expect them to unfold his white friends turn on him his neighbors turn on him people call the police on him needlessly i think in 1970 it may have been shocking Mm -hmm. to a lot of audiences just how quickly things happen but in 2019 nothing about the developments that happen right after he becomes black are that significant Mm -hmm. what i found masterful though is that there's a point in the film where he's gone through all of this again sort of textbook stuff where people call the police on him this that and the other where his character starts to evolve and there's a point where it's there's a riff on at least I read it as a riff on a raisin in the sun okay where the white neighbors come and say that they want to buy the house right from Jeffrey Gerber's family because if if a black person lives in the neighborhood, it'll drive the value of the house down. Again, Jeffrey Gerber's been a smart ass the whole movie. He's cracking jokes. Once he becomes black, he starts he starts making all of these very ironic black jokes about, oh, now I'm going to eat ham hocks and chitlins mm-hmm. and this, that, and the other, which again is a seamless continuation of the racism racism and the racist jokes that he made yes. when he was white. Yes. When his neighbors say we want to buy the house, there is a shift. 
and Jeffrey Gerber's character moves from smartass to almost trickster. Mm-hmm. And what you realize, again, I think you may be a bigger Godfrey Cambridge fan than I am, but I am a Godfrey Cambridge fan. You realize that the Godfrey Cambridge, who is this almost trickster Bugs Bunny character, you've not really seen. Right. But then he turns into one. Yep. And he gets the money from the neighbors. He sets up shop. And in a great montage, because he's an insurance agent, he ends up leaving the insurance agent, starting his own, a black insurance agent agency, basically. And there's this quick montage that shows him walking down the street over a number of nights. Mm-hmm. And his he, he has a very, for lack of a better word, square suit on at In first. The beginning, yes. Because that's the suit from his white life. But as time goes on, he starts wearing basically hipper clothes. Yes. To show that he is becoming more comfortable with his blackness. More comfortable in his skin. Literally more comfortable in his skin. There's a quick moment where he goes to a bar. It's a black bar. You see that he's comfortable in the bar. Some policemen come in, harass some customers. He looks at them, harass the customers. Everyone in the bar knows what's going on, but he is now part of this situation. Mm -hmm. And then the last moment that he speaks, he talks to his wife again. Yes. But now he is pure Godfrey Cambridge. And there is wordplay, and there is wit, and there is blackness. Mm -hmm. And it's masterful. It really is. I cannot say enough about Godfrey Cambridge's performance. Right. The other thing about this film that I had forgotten, because, again, white man wakes up. Now he's black. Chaos ensues. You can write this thing yourself. But the chaos has to involve him going out into the world. Mm-hmm. I forgot how much of this film takes place in his house. Yeah. Between uh, Godfrey Cambridge and as, Estelle Parsons. And Estelle Parsons as his wife, Althea. Mm-hmm. Godfrey Cambridge is masterful in here. Estelle Parsons is right there with him. Yep, every step of the way. I could have watched two. He never had to leave the house. Nope. I could have watched two hours. If this was a play with this them two. If this was a play called The Watermelon Man with the two of them in the house for two hours. Right there. She is so good in this movie. Yes. There's this weird alchemy where she's like, she's got this sexy housewifey mm-hmm. mother thing going on. Mm-hmm. They have great chemistry. Yep. There's a sadness about her when she realizes her own racism and bigotry. Yes. yes. And not for nothing, you talked about Aaron Moran. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, because they're not in the in the film a whole lot. Not at but all. but right. they're enough where the I actually said, these kid actors are pretty good. Yeah, they're all right. For and I looked them up, and it is Aaron Moran of Happy Days fame. Right. And she's good as well. So that the parts in their house are absolute gold. Yeah. Maybe the last 15 minutes or so, when Godfrey Cambridge becomes himself, 
mm-hmm. I thought were absolute gold. Mm-hmm. And I thought the rest of the film was good. And I'm going to say it. I think this is a well-directed film. I think there are great shots. I think the the sequence where he wakes up and realizes he's black and there are the flashing colors and mm-hmm. and it's the remnants of this 60s psychedelica because again this is a this this is a script from the 60s. Yes. I thought that was well done. There there's a sequence when he goes to sleep and you see the the, the reflection of the television and the pictures behind them, you know, first it's the ocean because she's watching a movie that's set in the ocean and then you see a fire because they're watching the, the riots. riots. I thought that was really well done. The sequence I talked about where he's walking and he becomes basically more comfortable in his skin so that I really, really like this movie. I like the movie as well. Um, I liked Godfrey Cambridge, Estelle Parsons. Well, f- well first... I, I should have to say, like, I saw this movie when I was a lot younger. And I saw it just on a, an okie doke when I was a kid. Late night movie. It was a Friday, so I could stay up late. It was like the, you know, the midnight movie. And I think they were called the million dollar movies back then. And it said it was going to be the Watermelon Man. So I'm like, Watermelon Man? Well, it sounds like a comedy. Mm. So I'm going to sit and watch it, right? And I watched it, and and admittedly, having watched it again this today, I remembered very little about it. I, I remember the story. I knew it was Godfrey Cambridge and all that. I remember very little bit about it. But I do remember that when I first watched it, and it was about a white guy that turns black, my young mind at that time watching it thought that it was an entirely different actor. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I couldn't see the white face, mm-hmm. you know? And then when he then turns to Godfrey Cambridge, who I like, but Godfrey Cambridge is a very dark skinned man. Yes. I was, I remember as a youngster saying to myself, wow, they got a real black guy. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Like they've got a real I think they may have darkened this black man up a little bit. Right, right. Um, that that honestly was my takeaway from watching it as a as a kid, and 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 liking it and laughing at it, but the satire of it certainly never hit me. Sure. So watching it again today, the the satire of it it just smacks me in the face, and it's it and it and it pops, and the movie is a farce from beginning to end. And so tonally it works and it's on point. It's 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 running on all cylinders, right? Um but what I liked about it, and you kind of like touched on it, is that Jeff Gerber, the character, he's obnoxious, he's loud, he's bigoted. But he's not Archie Bunker. Mm-hmm. He's not just a flat out bigot. Like his 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 he he doesn't like exude just being a straight bigot and 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 racist 
overtones in everything that he does, right? He's not in the clan. Right. To me, he comes across as someone who is just, you know, oblivious to his bigotry, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Like, Archie Bunker is a bigot. No, but he just does, he just doesn't want to call himself a bigot. But he, he he owns his feelings. Jeff Gerber, you know, when he goes to his uh, he stops on his way to work and he stops to get his his health juice from Mantan Moreland. He thinks he's being he thinks he's got a good rapport with this black guy. Right. You know, yeah, I can make a little joke about, hey, they didn't write your store not good enough for them to to smash into, you know. But he also thinks that. He's doing a solid by saying, hey, you know, I didn't mean nothing by that. Right. You know what I mean? So he's just obliviousness to his bigotry. Right. And that's that privilege that, you know, white people have been uh, had smacked in their faces over the last 10 years, especially. Um, And it is also that privilege that smacks him in the face real hard when he wakes up black. And then later on in the movie, smacks his wife in the face mm-hmm. when she has to come face to face with her own bit of prejudice as well. That that she certainly didn't think, you know, she thought she was like, you know, like, oh, you know, the whole movie. She's like, oh, whoa, the black people. Right. Right. You know, so. But I liked that. I like that they weren't like I like that he wasn't. Archie Bunker. I like that he wasn't clan dude. So that when he becomes black and slowly has to come to the realization that this ain't coming off. Right. Like you can pour all the milk on you <laughs> as you want. Oh, sweet milk. Oh, cleansing milk. It's one of the funniest things you will ever see in a movie, ladies and gentlemen. This movie is funny. Yes. This movie is laugh out loud funny. When he tells his wife about how her mother is secretly a Chinese person. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And every time you ask her when's her birthday, she says the year of the dragon. <laughs> and why does she always want to do my laundry? <laughs> and she eats a whole lot. It is terrible and hilarious. This movie is hilarious, Dude, man. When he walks through the office and says, unclean, unclean. <laughs> no, he says, hi, slut, 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 slut. Hey, how you doing? Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. But, like I said, that makes his, look what I do here, metamorphosis ah. through the movie that much more realistic. Mm-hmm. That when he has to come to grips with his circumstance and now he is, you know, his eyes are open. It doesn't, it doesn't come off as false. It doesn't come off as forced in Mm -hmm. any way, because like you said, he's still loud. Yeah. He's still obnoxious. He just, because of his circumstance has to, you know, exercise it differently yeah you know so he he's he's he and he's just learning his 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 way through you know yeah um and i thought that was real real cool i loved um 
A lot of good actors in here. Cyril Book. Oh yeah. In here as as his boss. Oh yeah. Um, I liked I liked his scenes, his back and forth with, with him. I love I love that scene. Um, both times, especially how Sorrel Book, you know, after he becomes black, you're like, hey, you could tap into a whole other market. They, because we never gave a damn about the black people. Right. But now you've given us reason to. Yeah, you yeah. You know, you can go in there and and, and and bring it home. Which was a thing. It, it like, like, certainly like was. You, you and I are old enough. We, You probably knew, like I did, some older black insurance agents. Those insurance agents in the 70s, those black insurance agents yep. made a bundle. Yep. Just like this. Yeah, just 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 by doing what Searl Book wants Jeff to right. do. Because this is Jeff who once was white and is feeling him feeling himself and and trying to find how he's going to navigate in under this new normal that he has. He doesn't feel moved to do that. Right. He's conflicted about that. So he actually goes to people and he's giving them sound advice smartly because he's like, this is how you build. Exactly. Because you, you have to you have to treat this audience, you know, these 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 uh this these black people who you're going to with insurance policies. Give them the the respect of being a new audience. Don't try and fleece them. No, these are good, kind people. They know their stuff. I'm not going to go in there and try and jerk them right. over. And you know you what? Can make a customer forever for life. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm going to you know teach them how to fish. You know instead of just bringing them to fish. And Cyril Book can't see that, but that's that that's that privilege. You know you know it's right. like you know the hell with that. Just bring home the dollars. So. That subtlety to the storytelling, I think, is really cool. I don't know how much of that is the script by Herman Falker mm-hmm. or Melvin Van Peoples working on the script. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of this, because Godfrey Cambridge is a comedian first, there's a lot of this that feels, has the feel of more on the fly freestyle right you know improved more dialogue you know in, in some of these scenes so i think they kind of i think that tweaking was happening as the filming was going along i wouldn't sure. be surprised to hear that especially since melvin van peoples said that uh as opposed to you know, normal movie shoots where they're given 30 or 45 That's days. That's right. He was only given 22 days. That's right. To shoot this film. And he did in 21. Right. That's right. So he, uh, so it's, it wouldn't be surprised, it wouldn't surprise me if they did some more things kind of like on the fly. Yeah. The type of, the type of thing. And um, as much as we talk about Godfrey Cambridge, I think that's a testament again to this cast. Mm-hmm. Like this is an amazing cast that I completely believe was capable of of responding to Godfrey Cambridge and giving as good as they get and still coming up with this product. Right. Right. Um but this is it it really is a a a funny film. It's it actually is it and it, another thing that's kind of cool about about his character Jeff Gerber is that he's loud, he's obnoxious, he's big and everything like that. But he is a man that loves his wife. Yes. From the beginning of the movie 
all the way to the end after they have separated. Yeah. Because while he doesn't want his wife to leave him in any by any means, there's a part of him that understands right. her leaving. And her leaving, he you show him you show him trying to learn to accept that. You, they don't spend a whole lot of time of it, but there certainly is enough time there so that when he and her have that conversation at the end, it is the conversation of two people who, you know, love each other. They just know that they can't be with one another. They're, they're, in, they're, in, they're in different worlds. I mean, by the time you get that shot of his apartment mm-hmm. when he answers the phone, this is a completely and, and you know, shout out to the set design. Yeah, especially at that point, yes. But retroactively, you understand how important the design of their house was. True, true, true. Because it is such a striking contrast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They are in two different worlds. And even the way, again, that last scene, this is Godfrey Cambridge, Godfrey Cambridge. Yes. They are talking like they are from two separate worlds. There's a point where she says to him, I hope you you are getting some exercise and and or I hope you are getting along very well. I forget exactly what it was she said at this point, but he answers her, "Oh, I are. I are." Yeah. And there's a playfulness of the language mm-hmm. that is so smart and so black. And she's oblivious. Yeah. To yeah, it goes over her head. Yeah. You, you know, she says to one point, you know, I'll make sure to tell the children and to, to remember you and this, that, and the other. And he says, oh, it's it's amazing that, that you're telling them to, to, rem- to have a memory of me, and I'm not even dead. Right. But he's, he's, he's doing what black people have to do at this point. Mm-hmm. And because she is who she is, she doesn't have to be that fast. Yeah. So they, they're, they're just in two different worlds by the end. Right. Uh, so I come away... Enjoying the film, much to the chagrin of uh, missionary Jay Webb. Hey, 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 hey. No, 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 no. No, you're not. No, you're not. What? Hey, Lynn. What? How did you feel about Melvin Van Peebles' direction? I think that there are interesting mm-hmm. choices he makes. Uh-huh. The whole thing you say in the beginning about the the, the flashing lights when, it, when he first turns. Uh-huh. Right? Um, the camera angle of the reveal of his turn actually being his ass mm-hmm. in the full screen. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a weird, very weird montage that happens midway through this movie when he is more or less fired from his insurance company. Yeah, yeah. And then... Tries to find another job, right? Only to find his way shoveling like garbage. Yes. And I understand that it's to show a path, and you know it's a montage, right? And it's full absurdity. But the way that that montage is packaged together with some title, like some there's some titles that's over, you Put know. Your Put your best foot forward. Yeah. Be the, a credit to your race. Yeah, this this, this song, this or, Melvin Van Peoples' original melody, and we'll get on that in a minute. Um, a uh, quick cameo 
by yes. singer-songwriter Paul Williams yeah. <laughs> uh, in this movie. Um, that really was weird. It, it, it took me out of the film for a second because I'm like, what's Wait. happening? Wait, is that Paul Williams? Yeah, well, it, it, just the whole thing. And right. then for then to be Paul Williams, I was like, okay, well, this was a montage to get to Paul Williams. But then Paul Williams doesn't say anything. Doesn't. He like just comes up on screen, shakes his hand, and then the montage continues. I'm like, what is going on here? Can I just tell you that Paul Williams has always kind of confused me? Why? Because he's because he's a little guy, and the couple of times that I've seen him on screen, mm-hmm. they've played with his size as a joke. Mm-hmm. Famously in Cannonball Run, yes. I believe too. Yes, but then he's also this great singer songwriter. Yes, fantastic. So then you would see him somewhere singing like Rainbow Connection, mm-hmm. and it's not played for jokes at all. No, because he's a great singer songwriter. Yes. So then, as a kid, I'm like, well, why are they making fun of him? And like, he has so much more than. Then height jokes. And it, then he's in here. And he's just playing it straight. Right. The insurance guy. So Paul Williams confused me all throughout my childhood. He didn't confuse me. Because I knew he had hits. Um, he could take a joke because he he rolled with the jokes. Yeah. And as I uh grew and knew found out more and more about him, I found out that he was extremely wealthy. So <laughs> I was like, he's good. He's he's good. So I was fine with him. Is that from songwriting or was he already rich? I don't know anything about Paul Williams. Oh, he made his money. I mean, he made his money from the songwriting. Hey, man. Yeah, and the singing. I mean, he had. I mean, he had a couple of hits. You're like I've purchased Rainbow Connection, Father. Well, Rainbow Connection is the, is the gift that keeps giving oh, for him. Goodness. Most certainly. You know, a lot of people don't know that he wrote that. Oh, the lovers, the dreamers, and me, man. What you talking about? Mm-hmm. Ka-ching. But back to Melvin Van Peebles. <laughs> Those interesting choices and a few others, mm-hmm. notwithstanding, mm-hmm. I think this film succeeds despite uh-huh. his direction. His direction is just fine. His direction is not just fine. It is. There absolutely. are scenes where the camera gets out of focus. There are scenes where... Someone is having a whole monologue off camera, That's and deliberate. then and, and no, it is. What are you not, talking about? No, it is not, Vince. What scene are you talking about? There is a scene where he is talking to his Jeff is talking to his wife, and he is almost almost off camera for. Everything that he's saying. And she's not like giving any type of response. It's showing the disconnect before them because it's a contrast no. to the very first scene between them no. where the camera goes back and forth no. and they're talking to one another. No, it's not. It absolutely, it, it absolutely is. is not. It absolutely, it absolutely is this not. This is a well-directed film. It is not a and well-directed film. And I know it kills film. you. It is not a well-directed film. It kills film. you. It's not. There's a scene where he, when he goes into his office... And he comes through the door and he walks 
and the camera stays on the door for like about three beats for no reason. There's, I'm not sure which scene you're talking about, but okay. I mean, there's a, there's a, I don't think, okay. Like I said, he makes some interesting choices, but I don't think it's a well-directed I think it's better directed than his his follow up, the inter- sweet sweet yes. ass bad ass song. The interesting choices were artistic and good choices. No, they weren't. That worked. No, they weren't. And the other the other way that he gets gets in the way is that, and he admits this, Melvin Van Peoples, who I know the world heralds as this you know foremost you know uh, renowned filmmaker. I don't know, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, if the world heralds him as a renowned composer of music. Yeah. Because Melvin Van Peoples composed yes. and wrote I think it lin- all of the music that you hear in this movie. I think it helped with the, the tone of the farce. It was farcical. Yeah, but there are there are times when the music, at least for me, almost took me out of the scene because of how bad it was. I, I think I, I think fine. I understood. I knew where the music wanted right. to be, but it was just bad. It was off key. It was, was supposed to be off key. It's not supposed to be off key in the beginning of the movie. No, it is. No, it's not. That's almost foreshadowing. No, I don't I don't I disagree. All right. I disagree. See see you everybody wants to make excuses. How for is him. that excuses? I think he was just off key. I don't I don't uh, ascribe that he you just refused to give the man credit so you're gonna tell me that you liked the movie yes i did because and i like dr cambridge right right i like a so, so far since oh wait a minute so wait. in spite of the person that put the movie together yeah you liked the movie yeah sometimes that happens even though the choices that he made mm-hmm. are the reason the movie ended up the way it was because let's be clear, if this movie had ended up the way that uh, Herman Raucher wanted to end I'm up, I'm talking about his direction. I understand the, 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 his changes to the story. I agree with. Like I said, I think a lot of the, a lot of the changes may have been on the fly. The more subtlety of the character, to, so that his change is not so abrupt as he deals with turning from white to black. I credit that to Melvin Van Peoples. And Godfrey Cambridge to working in concert in in uh, in honing this movie. I do his change of his his change of wanting a black actor is of course the yes. right move. His change at the end for him to stay black is great, and his story about how yeah he promised to shoot. Uh, the ending that they wanted and his ending, and then he's—I <laughs> just forgot to shoot <laughs> your ending. My bad. Oh, but we ain't, we ain't got no more days. Sorry, deuces. I'm with him on that. Uh, that's cool. But you asked me specifically yes, about did. his direction. Yes, I did. And I'm saying that his direction on this film is not good. It's better. Yes, yes than the sweet, other sweet film back, I've seen him direct. Song. Yes. So I'll give him that. But it's not good. However, because you have Godfrey Cambridge, who is like just mesmerize you on screen, you have Estelle Parsons, who is just a tour de force and has always been a great act actress. Um, so his ability to con- to to capture 
the kineticism between them in those tight scenes in the bathroom, in the bedroom, in the in the dining room. You're not gonna give him that. I think so. I think sometimes I think more more than the direction that's their acting. Come on, man. I'm Stop. sorry, I do. We have watched I don't know how many movies where we have talked about mm-hmm. the director is not able to capture the magic of just last week. We talked about how scenes didn't run long enough. They didn't trust the actors. The 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 the, the shots are are weird. Mm-hmm. Everything that you said, and you said it, it's like watching a play with these two. You've got to give the man credit yes, but, for capturing that. But not because it's easy to mess that up. But not if this the the film gets out of focus a bunch of times when you're sitting you there keep in the house a bunch and, there's, of and there's times where where there's there's weird camera sweeps that add nothing to the story it's not because he's trying to show the disconnect and everything like that it's just a weird camera sweep what weird camera sweep are you talking about okay all right all right you you explain to me okay what is it adding to the story when you see Godfrey Cambridge on the phone at his job, yes, and he's talking to some, and he's he's still white, yes, and he's talking to some guy on the phone trying to make a deal or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's talking about yeah, because he he's got, trying to make make the right got the appointments. Make yeah. The appointment All right. Okay. The, what about that scene? So, and, and then it cuts to a shot of trees but the trees are moving so you're giving the impression that well something's moving alongside with the trees and then it cuts to Godfrey Cambridge's sneakers walking and then which is a very quick cut to that which then quickly cuts to his sneakers walking into his house right right coming he, from work yeah and, then, coming and, from and now work. he's tired and sits down and he plops down on the couch and then he's talking and the camera makes a weird move over because Estelle Parsons is obviously supposed to be making a move now. But there's just a, it, it's there was a there's a staging disconnect there. Something something is wrong. The camera is falling out of focus, comes back to Godfrey Cambridge, struggles to get back in focus. Now and, this and is, he's not even now, now this is when she comes in and says so because the first time she says let's pretend it's Wednesday night is the night before yes so this is when she comes in and, and basically tries to put the moves on him again right this is the scene where she comes in and actually leans over him and says the thing no no that scene he's sitting at the kitchen table he's he's, he's sitting in the dining room table right so when this he's is on still, the this soap, is right, still he comes in and he's tired and she comes in and puts the moves on him again, though. I forget what she says. All I just, oh, I, I forget what she says. I am what, telling you, whatever, is, whatever she says, right? And I'll I, give you that there's a connection I, right, between. And them. I am telling you that he establishes from that very first shot of the family together on the sofa when they're watching the television, and it is it it it's like looking at a tennis match, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, I mean, you saw the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. And what you're it talking bounces about. back and forth between them. Okay. And from that moment to the moment where she starts to basically say, "I want to have sex," mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to have sex with her for whatever reason, right? There is a weird 
disconnect between the two of them in the scenes together. And you can, you can follow the pattern throughout the film until you get to the final scene where, as we've discussed, they are now completely in two different worlds. I think it's deliberate. I think, the, now, you you know, you keep saying interesting choices, which is, is you know, you want to use a, a, a value-neutral term, not give the man credit for good choices. But I think those are also interesting choices. Okay, but what you're talking about is there. I'm not saying it's not there. No, it is but there. I, but I'm not saying it's not there. What I, but what I'm saying is that it is there for sake of the direction. It's there because Godfrey Cambridge and Estelle Parsons bring it to their characters of Jeff and Althea Gerber. And I'm saying he's deliberately doing that. Like, these are deliberate choices. But, okay, but... Okay, all right. I guess when I'm talking about his direction not being good in this film is not so much his direction of the actors, right? Uh-huh. Um, because and, and because I got to give him some credit for directing them, even though I think they're both seasoned enough actors that they probably didn't need as much direction from him. But I'll give him I'll right. give We've him the credit. Directors mess this kind That's of true. stuff up. But I'll yeah. give him the credit of of directing that. But when I speak of the direction, his direction that lets down this film, I'm talking about his direction of the the filming of the film. That's primarily what I'm talking about. I have no idea what that means. I'm talking I'm talking about, you know, the shots that he is shooting, his staging of the movie. There are interesting ideas that work. That's the interesting thing that I'm saying. I don't I think some of them could have been maybe worked a little better, but it was still an interesting idea. Case in point, his whole idea of when he is walking down the street and you show the progression from the suits and everything like that. I think it gets it, it comes across pretty good. I also think that in the film up to that point, there's a part of that that I would not be surprised if somebody watched that scene and didn't necessarily under, take in the, the passage of time. So, right. So, so I'm saying that there may have been uh, something else that could have been done with that same idea to maybe just drive home the passage of time. But I got it. Yeah, I, I got mean, it. I so, mean, you, and, I, and I'll right, give him the credit. him dumbing it down for an audience. But, I, but I'll, give him, I'll give him the credit of it, that it was a good idea. You know what I'm saying? Um, and a good execution. I think it's a good execution. I think it could have been executed maybe a little better. How? Well, I mean, I, how? Because you're talking about... Well, one, I think the music could have been better. Oh, look. The music is the music. Well, the I, music I didn't is the music. The, no, the music no, no. helps set the tone. I didn't mind the, the music. The music helps set, tell a story. I, I thought the music went right along with the... And one uh, of those songs, when he goes into the go-go bar, one of those songs, 
It's a blatant ripoff <laughs> of I heard it through the grapevine. I just assumed it was I heard it through the grapevine. <laughs> no, no. Because I was waiting for like, like, are they singing it in pig Latin? <laughs> like, because the words were like real mumbled. I was like, oh, is this how he's getting over? But no. He just basically rips it off because he changes a couple of lines. It's, it's like, the, what's my man's name who got sued by Marvin Gaye's estate? Robin Thicke. It's the Robin Thicke strategy towards writing music. Because <laughs> I just thought it was I heard it through the grapevine. <laughs> no. With, like, him singing it. Which I thought, too. Right. But then it gets to the hook and it's something totally different. And then I said... Oh, well, that's an interesting choice. <laughs> See? And I did what you did. I said, that's an interesting choice. Apparently, Melvin got real drunk and decided to mumble I heard it through the grapevine. Not sure what that means, but okay. I'm curious. Do you have a favorite scene in this movie? It might be the last scene. Mm, it might that be that last conversation between the two of them, which I thought was brilliant mm-hmm. and if you want to talk about something a change maybe i would have made like i loved the last image of him becoming fully radicalized mm-hmm. where they're doing the self-defense i actually didn't need to see that in motion like they could have just showed a still of him yeah because that last conversation with Estelle Parsons that's who you go out on was that's how you end the movie yeah i agree but yeah that's my favorite scene yeah i agree that was a very good scene um the scene that keeps coming back to me though is the uh the love scene with, when he heads it with his secretary yeah. from his office yeah um because i just I thought I thought that that was a a real cool way of showing him really getting comfortable in his skin, yeah, and being able to sense what was going on, exactly, and se- and, and and sense like, oh, she's into me, exactly. Why, but, why she's into, but me. she's not really into me, right? And yeah. and like when he tells her. You know, she's like, "Did I do something wrong?" And and he and he first, you know, like you know, like your first response is to say no, and he says like no, and then he says, "But you know, yeah, you did disappoint me." Yeah, you know, what I mean? and and I I I just like that. I like that read of it. I I, I thought it was like a pitch Again, perfect. There's a moment, and and frankly, you know, to, to put a really fine, not to put too fine of a point on it, when. She sends the kids away mm-hmm. because, as you said, one thing that is consistent throughout the film is that he is a family man. Yes. And when she sends the kids away, the film shifts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I will grant you with the music, if there was a choice I would have made, because I do think the music lent itself to the farce of it. Mm-hmm. I would have stopped playing the music after she sent the kids away. Because I think there's a marked change in Godfrey Cambridge's performance from Okay, that, yeah. Where yeah. now this isn't absurdity. This because isn't, that's after the neighbors buy out the house, right? I think it's right before. Okay. I think that's all the same scene. Right, because because it's after that scene that when she tells him, like, yo, it's, it ain't going to be Wednesday exactly. again. It's, it's not going to be. Exactly. Yeah. And it really does. And, and like you said, that's a great scene that 
you get kind of the the, the funny image of them wrestling under the the covers. Mm-hmm. But then it's played pretty straight. Yep. So that's a great scene too. Yeah. yeah. And the scene when he when he does like you know trick those neighbors into giving him a hundred grand. Yeah. For his house. Yeah. Which is uh, that that's a good scene too. I mean, again, he's not just making jokes now. Mm-hmm. Like there's this real bite and edge to him. Yeah. You know, it's wow. it's almost dare I say. Richard Pryor esque, yeah, and or or Paul Mooney mm-hmm. more than Richard Pryor. Like, there's a real anger there. I wonder though, the Jeff Gerber that's in the beginning of the movie. If a black person had moved into his neighborhood, do you think that he would have been one of them? Absolutely. You think so? I don't. There's no question in my mind. I don't think he would have. There's no question in my mind and the reason i know is because one of the first things that we see him do is which the property value is look at the property value, which That's you know true. again i think this is a great script mm-hmm. and so much that is planted in the beginning bears fruit yeah. throughout the rest of the film yeah so that i absolutely think he would have been with those men yeah wow yeah it's a good movie it's oh, it's, yeah. it's it's a it's a good movie and it's a movie that is um I think despite some of its trappings is still very timely. Absolutely. Um and a movie worth worth watching. And like I said, it's funny. You know, if we ever get to the point like like one one of one of the Michaud dreams if if we start having like like a a, a, a um a scheduled showing of films, if you will, like like a Michaud showcase, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to do a double bill of Watermelon Man and Get Out. Oh, really? Think about that conversation. Mm. Yeah, that that that'd be a, a conversation and a half, most certainly. Yeah. Would you recommend people? Uh... I absolutely would. I absolutely would. I think. I'm not going to go so far as to say that this is required viewing. But I think this is a film that very much fits into a lot of the themes and and a lot of the conversations that we have about black film. I think it's a valuable text. I do, too. I do, too. And I believe that people should see Watermelon Man. It's not the Watermelon Man. It's not the Watermelon Man. Because the Watermelon Man is a song. By That's Herbie, Herbie Hancock. Hancock. Herbie right. Hancock off of um, Chameleon. Right. No, no. Not Chameleon. Headhunters. Yeah. Yeah, off of Headhunters, which is a great album. Well, Herbie Hancock burk, is... Uh... Yeah, he should have done the music. If only that... Yeah, if, only, if only Herbie Hancock would have done the music. We might be talking about... <laughs> you know? One of the songs charted. They released one of the songs to charted. Yeah, ironically. <laughs> Very ironically. Uh. <laughs> one more thing. I forgot to tell you the very sneaky Three Stooges connection that Watermelon Man has. The role of the delivery man was played by Emil Sicka, who was a veteran actor of the late 30s, 40s, and 50s, but more prominently starred in many, I believe over 
40 of the Three Stooges shorts from the uh, early 40s and basically all the way up through the 50s and in every one of their films and even on their um, TV series. One of his most popular shorts that he starred in with the Three Stooges is the one where Shemp has to get married in order to uh, take hold of his inheritance. And all of these women are vying for his hand to marry him. And every time Emil Sika in the role of the priest gets ready to uh, marry him off to someone, he is bashed over the head right as he makes the pronouncement, hold hands, you lovebirds. It became his most popular phrase, uh, his most popular role. He became known for that. Um, There was actually a network, a TV network, I believe in the 50s or 60s, once the Three Stooges shorts ran into syndication, that literally ran that one particular short every Sunday afternoon. So that became the his most famous role. Emil Sitka was noted as the fourth Three Stooges because he appeared with them so much. So much so that in 1970, when Larry had a stroke and was unable to continue on a tour and a uh, prospective movie that the now very senior Stooges were preparing to do, Emil Sitka was uh, drafted by Mo to stand in for Larry in the role of Larry's brother, Harry, (laughs) who had never been seen before, just made up for the upcoming shows that they had to do. However, Mo himself, very old and very sickly, soon became too ill to continue on the uh, tour as well. And despite some publicity photos, uh, Emil never became a true third stooge. and then Mo and Larry would soon uh, pass away not long after that, both of them. And thus came to an end the career of the Three Stooges. Emil Sitka would go on to do some short, uh, small roles here and there, but he was prominent on the Three Stooges convention circuit. Uh, and actually, when he did pass away in the 80s, it was while hosting a group of Three Stooges fans at his home that he uh, suffered a stroke himself and passed away. So that is Watermelon Man's connection to Three Stooges. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, before we tell you what's happening next week, I invite you to send all of your feedback to Mission at gmail.com and like and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Michaud Mission. Join the Facebook group, the Michaud Mission. Michaud is spelled M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X. Our show is available as part of the Podglomerate podcast family of curated podcasts just for your specialized earbuds. And you can also check this show out in an edited form every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM 106.5 FM People Power Media here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection streaming on phillycam.org slash listen. And you can wake up with me show every Monday at 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM 
the voice of Drexel University. Okie doke. Next week on the Michelle Mission, uh, we've got a bit of a twofer coming your way as Vince and I will sit down with Mayori Holmes, the uh, creator, organizer, and curator of the venerable Black Star Film Festival. Yes, sir. Which will be taking place here in the city of Brotherly Love at the end of July and beginning of August. Three days of fantastic black films screening throughout the city. So good. Yes, yes. It's very cool. And we're going to sit down with her to talk about the film festival, get her take on uh, what's happening in black film today it promises to be a very interesting conversation and we will still be bringing you a review yes sir as vince and i continue on this mission this side trek in the way back machine vince i went to 1972 you tried to get to the 60s, but you only made it as far as the I mean, si- it's a 60s script. Yeah, but it, it was released in the 70s, so okay. it counts as the 70s. All right. So I'm going to jump back to the 60s. Okay. Which means that you can still be in the 60s. All right. I'm going to jump into the, the 60s, and we're going to go to 1964. Okay. And it only stands to reason that if we were going to do The Watermelon Man, that the next movie we should do is from 1964, Black Like Me. Whoa. Film written... By and by Gerda Lerner and directed by Carl Lerner and stars James Whitmore, Searle Book, and Roscoe Lee Brown. Oh my goodness, I don't know if I've ever actually seen Black Like Me. It's based on a book yeah. of the same title by John Howard Griffin. It tells the story of a journalist who disguised himself to pass as an African-American man for six weeks in 1959 in the Deep South to report on the life in the segregated society from the other side of the color line. That's what we're going to watch next week. All right. Mm. Yay for the Wayback Machine. Yeah, well, you know. We gotta get we gotta get deep, you know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, we were cool breathing for a minute. <laughs> we gotta get we gotta get we gotta get a little serious on this on this thing. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, he's Vince, I'm Len, and in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu, it's been a pleasure knowing you, I'll see you when it's time to meet again.